Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Rade. And this is Respectfully a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer this is not therapy. We are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. All right, fam. So today we are discussing toxic masculinity and hyperindependence. So what is toxic masculinity? It's a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically associated with or expected of men regarded as having a negative impact on men and on society as a whole. So what is hyperindependence? That's when you choose to be independent of everyone, even though it may negatively affect you and shows up as a perspective of I versus we. Hyper-independent people struggle with making, taking on too much, saying no to help and having a hard time delegating tasks. Okay. So thanks for sharing that, friend. Let's expand on that a little bit. Toxic masculinity is considered an unhealthy form of masculinity and refers to the dominant form of masculinity where men use dominance, violence, and control to assert their power and superiority. Some traits of toxic masculinity could look like unconditional physical toughness, uh, fear of emotions, discrimination against people who are not heterosexual, or anti-feminist behavior. Hyper-independence, on the other hand, uh, can be related to a past trauma, and may develop to protect ourselves from further harm. An example of this is you may have learned that you can't trust others, so you only rely on yourself. Some traits of hyperindependence are being a very private person, a workaholic or overachiever, have a hard time asking for help, and disdain for needy people, or a struggle with long-term relationships. Cool beans. Okay, so let's dive right into the discussion part. So. Rade, what are some of the stereotypes you've heard regarding masculinity and independence? The stereotypes that I've heard with masculinity and independence. You know, I guess when I'm thinking about stereotypes, the first thing, and so help me out with this question here. The first thing I'm really like thinking about is like how we look at celebrities, male celebrities, oftentimes Mm. when I'm seeing masculinity, um, we stereotype male celebrities into this like this form of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, independence. Um, I always hear the the strong black woman narrative. Mm-hmm. Like if we're talking about community-wise stereotypes, those are the ones that I really only think of. Granted, I'm not saying that they don't exist elsewhere. I think those seep into our, you know, conversations and relationships when we're mm-hmm. describing that. But I think mm-hmm. that's our go-to uh, stereotype outside of, you know, if we're watching, you know, TV, movies, but again, back to celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, kind of the same, you know, things kind of pop come to mind like they did for you. Um, but, you know, some of the, you know, stereotypes is, you know, men aren't supposed to cry or, you know, men are not supposed to show emotions. There's a, there's always supposed to be strong and and macho and and all mm, of those mm-hmm. things um and then you know the the independent piece like you know i don't need man you know <laughs> your person <laughs> right. to you know do anything for me because i could do it for myself but you know like you said earlier you know 
ultimately that could have negative impact on you because ultimately you're not really allowing yourself to be vulnerable and, you know, allow people to, to support you. That's really what it boils down to at the end of the day for me. Um, but you know, that is, you know, um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's very prevalent, you know, um, in the situations where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, single, single mothers out there, you know, um, who's raised children and, you know, by themselves. And, you know, we see mom take on everything and not ask for help. So, you know, of course we're going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you just said that, um, because what immediately popped into my head is I have, for from my own experience, I have noticed that if you have a single mom present, she will more so probably fall into the the realms and stereotypes of quote unquote hyper independence, right? Mm-hmm. But when you see a single father, a lot of the time we see that they actually fall into this ebb and flow of masculinity and femininity, and like they're able to balance it out a little Mm -hmm. bit more, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting, but, Mm -hmm. um, which is the healthy way. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I completely, yes, exactly. It's the healthy way. Um, so yes, yes. But as you were saying, the stereotypes I was thinking about, okay, so if we're going to the respect of, okay, hide your feelings and things like that, right. Men don't cry. Um, I'm also thinking about, you know, things that are said often within our community, which is not to trust people, don't depend on them. And I think this goes mm-hmm. for toxic masculinity and hyper independence. And so we're often taught, you know, our society teaches, period. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need people. You need you have you, right? So focus on you and what you can do for you. This is where you pretty much messed up last time is depending on somebody else. Right. And so I think that's- all it takes is one time. Exactly. That's all it takes. (laughs) And then it's like, as soon as that one time, you know, occurrence does happen of somebody not showing up for you, all of a sudden, nobody ever there for me and I can't trust nobody. Exactly. Then we build up this wall. And then now, even if we did have people who would step up to the plate, we're not even letting them through because it's a whole wall in the way. Yeah. Not even giving them the opportunity to be present for us. So, right, exactly. Yeah, but you know that all boils down to to vulnerability as well because I can't be open to not only asking for help but receiving your help if I'm not able to be vulnerable. Right. You know. Um, and as you were saying it, another you know stereotype popped into my head as far as you know masculinity is concerned. And it's you know like you when you brought up single fathers is that like men can't be nurturing. Mm-hmm. You know, or men mm-hmm. are, you know, not, you know, there to nurture. That's what moms are for. You mm-hmm. know, when the reality of the situation is, is that a child needs nurturing from both parents, not just exactly. one. Yeah. You know, I think, it may come easier to mom, but yeah. at the same time, you know, it's, it's dad can show the same level of nurturing. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I think that we have to definitely remove these stereotypes that like dad is this going to be this toxic masculine person and mom is going to be this overly nurturing person, right? When sometimes Mm -hmm. that's not even what it looks like, (laughs) you know? And 
also, this all just deserves some balance. But the stereotypes itself, when I think about that masculinity and independence is really what we were just talking about is that, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I can't trust anybody. Period. Yeah. And this is what our music is about a lot of the times, right? Mm-hmm. It's about these like heartbreak songs and then mm-hmm. Don't trust, <laughs> I can't no, trust nobody. No, no, don't trust no <laughs> right. no. You know, I ain't gonna say the word that goes in between that, but you knew what song it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh god. Okay, so what has been your experience with hypermasculinity and or hyperindependence? Hmm. Wow. Um, well, with you know, hypermasculinity or toxic masculinity, I feel that my own experience has been, you know, growing up that, you know, I'm I was I'm a sensitive person. And, you know, hashtag um, you know. July Campster, you know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> I'm sensitive. I'm I'm in tune with how I feel. Um, and listen, when I was young, I would cry at the drop of a hat. Like it didn't matter. Like if I'm if I'm going to cry, I'm I'm crying. I'm I'm hurt. I'm sad. Whatever the case may be, I express that. But then you know, I would get you know, you a little boy. Boys don't cry. You know, toughen up. Um, brush it off. Um. There was another one that I used to, oh, don't be a a, <laughs> a water bag. Oh my God, I knew you were going to say it and it was going to break my heart. I knew you were going to yes. say it. Don't be a water bag. And I was like, what? But you know, even when I heard those things and you know, I actually, you know, pat, pat myself on the back for this. Like, it didn't matter. I'm still going to cry. Now, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm being true to myself at a very young age. So, you know... It didn't change anything for me. So, you know, by being called a water bag or that boy shouldn't cry, I still kind of tra- stayed true to myself. But what kind of changed it for me, in addition to, you know, being raised by a single parent, is that I actually had someone see me cry. I was maybe 19, 20, and they told me, don't cry. That's a weakness. Mm. And it's almost like the te- my tear ducts just dried up. Like, I'm like, what? And then somehow I internalized and personalized that. And then that became my message that I was sending myself when ultimately it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Crying is not a weakness. But, you know, depending on the type of messages that we get from, you know, society or those around us really contribute to how we view ourselves or how we navigate through our own lives. And, you know, for a long time, like I, even when I know I was at, my saddest, I still wouldn't cry. It would take Mm -hmm. a lot for me to cry. And it still kind of takes a little bit for me to cry. And I don't know if that message is still etched in there so strong that, you know, um, you know, I don't go back to the way that I used to be before the statement was made. Um, you know, but I felt like it has made me a little, uh, more guarded than I was naturally, or a little more, um, rigid in how I may display my emotion to, to others. But of course, you know, there's nothing wrong with being angry, <laughs> right. you know, but there's if you're sad and you're crying, acceptable. exactly. You know, as a, as a man, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's been my experience. And then, like I said, you know, being raised by a single mom, you know, I saw hyper independence 
pretty much my whole life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, you know, and I think my mom, you know, for everything that she did, because she taught me how to be independent and take care of myself. Um, But, you know, it does, it's it's almost kind of like a double-edged sword because, you know, if I'm just know that I I can only depend on myself or I'm only, you know, I'm doing what I need to do for me and, you know, take care of my own wants and needs, then I'm closing myself off to, to other people in some way. Like I'm, I'm kind of putting a barrier in between that connection that I have with someone, especially someone who cares about me and supports me and loves me and wants to be there for me. And, you know, to the degree that, you know, I'm not even asking for help when I need it because I could do this by myself. I got this. Right. I'll figure it out. When ultimately right. you can't, you can't do it by yourself. You need that support. You need to be able to have a soft place to land when things get too tough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, you know, even doctors get sick and need somebody Thanks. to take care of them, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, so I'm still, you know, that's still one of my personal, you know, growth and development um, task is to, you know, ask for help more and not see asking for help as a weakness or as a indicator that I am less than or inadequate or can't handle things on my own, but just relying on the people who, who love me and care about me and support me and vice versa. Because at the end of the day, I would want my friend or my family member to come to me if they need some help or support. So I should be willing to, to do the same. How about you? Uh, yes, to all of that. Thanks for sharing that, friend. While you over here talking about how you a cancer insensitive, well, we just two sensitive ass people because I'm over here. March Pisces, <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, water sign. Uh, right. So, Another water sign. Okay. So yeah, friend. I got you. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. <laughs> so my experience with hypermasculinity and hyperindependence or toxic masculinity. So. I think, well, for one, as a woman, I haven't experienced a personalized experience with hypermasculinity with that being my go-to, so to speak. Um, However, I have had firsthand experiences with people around me. You know, um, I have dealt with quote-unquote hypermasculinity walls having to be broken down um, on my partner's end, my dad's, some uncles before, you know, like... And even friendships where, you know, my homeboys have had to kind of create a different space for our relationship to exist because of letting down these guards, which was has been great, right? Like, this is not a negative. This is a very positive thing, right? We're not just all one-sided towards, like, right. men don't cry, men don't do this, men don't do right. that. When it's like, why? Why? <laughs> men can't do all of these things. Um, I would say... My the thing that rings in my head the most when I think about hyperdependence. Well, first of all, for some background, um, my my mom was very hyper independent. You know, even being married, um, mm-hmm. she has always been the nurturer of the family, and ultimately, like a uh, matriarch roles on my mom's side of the family have always been passed down very seriously. So to mm-hmm. speak. I don't think mm-hmm. it's always been said, but you just know this is this is the role that you're in. Mm-hmm. And my mom has always taken care of people, um, and allowed people to stay with us, things like that, to take care of them when they've needed it. And it's created this hyper independence because if everybody else needs me, then you know, <laughs> the only other person that's gonna take care of me is me. And I've seen that. And so 
ultimately uh, on my end of things, this taught me also a lot of other women in my life, but this taught me to go for what I want. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know if this, and you tell me, friend, I don't know if this is thing that Florida people say or just people in general about people <laughs> or Miami or whatever, because a lot of the time during childhood, I would hear just charge that shit to the game. <laughs> so <laughs> charge that shit to the game, right? <laughs> listen, I don't know where that came from, but I know it. I know it. You know, you know it, right? Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> So it's like you would, I would and for hear the listeners who don't know what that means, it's just pretty much like it is what it is. Right. It is what it is. You already know how they moving. You know how you moving. So mm-hmm. you keep on doing you. Period. And char- Fuck how they, and charge what they that got shit to doing. the game. Charge it to the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> charge it to the game. So right. with charges to the game, I have been like, there's some shit I'm going to just have to charge to the game. Fuck it. I'm going to handle this. <laughs> That is like a mentality that Mm -hmm. I have had for so long. And I would like to say that my hyper-independence had been functional up until a certain point. Like I could go and do all of these things, right? And have some help here and there, but I wasn't recognizing Mm -hmm. recognizing it because I was so engulfed in okay, well, maybe if I talk to this person, this is where they can get me, right? But like, mm-hmm. that's still a hyper-independence mindset because it was, yeah. quote unquote, my plan. What are they mm-hmm. going to do for me? Not mm-hmm. of a helping relationship. And yeah. that was at a space of, why well, I know where I want to go. And like I said, it was functional for a while because I have achieved a lot of things that I've wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. However, it's different when you are, one, thinking that you're doing these things alone when you're actually not. Is one part of right. it because you still receive help. We have to receive help to get to places that period. Exactly. That's just is what it is. Right. And and then the other side of this was or is that I would be so focused on reaching this goal that by the time I got to the goal, yes, I had some great relationships with people, but on my end, they would start to also feel somewhat surface level, or people would feel like, well, right, they're not gonna come to us about this. Or mm-hmm. I would start getting the role of, oh my God, I would always hear this. You're like superwoman. You do blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, but I'm not. Like I would, <laughs> and you would like, you know, <laughs> and it's funny because like when you hear stuff like that, you want to be like, oh my God, yes, I am. Like you want to take that as a compliment, mm-hmm. but I would just feel so like, but no, like I need help and I'm stressed, but I wasn't asking for that. In fact, mm-hmm. I was just doing everything by myself anyway. Right. And that has a lot more to do with me not trusting people, me being a control freak, and me wanting everything to be in my own hands. <laughs> mm, so there's hello. that. There's mm-hmm. that part. Now, All that resonated in my spirit. No facts. This is high key <laughs> why, like, when we were talking about this podcast and I had, like, ideas of podcasts, that's why I was like, I have to do this with somebody. This cannot just uh, be a me thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, no. Like, Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> there has to be a balance to this. There cannot be this hyper independence right. seeping into this next venture that high key is turning out amazing. But yeah. So, yes, last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say <laughs> here is when it comes to hyper independence, where I am now is I'm reclaiming my tears, is one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm Amen. reclaiming that. And Reclaiming it as a positive thing for it to be a release for me. When I want to cry, I will. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to let anyone be like, oh, you're kind of making me feel bad. Oh, you're, de- uh, no. These Ooh, the, are guilt. the guilt be yeah. real, don't it? <laughs> it be so real. Like, no, I'm going to do it for me. It's really manipulation. <laughs> it, Look, gaslighting, actually, but that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. 
<laughs> and, and I am also being a lot more intentional right now about asking for help rather than doing everything by myself. And mm-hmm. I am very rusty with this as I'm asking for help at the last minute, friends, you have seen. <laughs> but I am trying to ask rather than just trying to figure it, figure it out and overwhelming myself. So mm-hmm. I, know I think that. that's just I, I noticed where I am. that. I noticed that and um, that you ask for help more. Um, And it's like not monumental things, but it's still, I'm like, listen, you got to start somewhere. We we stick our toe in first. It's not monumental. I mean, you know, it, trust me, it ain't no monumental <laughs> stuff because, listen, we type A, so we're going to hold on to the monumental stuff. Now, we'll give you some of these these little nuggets down at the bottom to help us with, but we ain't going to, we can't, we too much of a control freaks to hand over that big shit. But this is um, true. But when I seen it, like, you know, when you ask, like you, you've asked me a couple of times to, um, to, to, to help you do certain things, you know, kind of related to the podcast, and you know, it's a share of responsi- uh, responsibility, of course. But I was like, look at right, they asking for help. I was like, hmm. I was like, let me be more thoughtful. I was like, cause you know, right, they don't ask for help. I was like, let me see what I can do, like how I can make this happen so that I promote this change <laughs> in behavior and not damage it. Cause if I'd have been like, no. And then maybe no again, right? I'd be like, listen, that type of be like, well, no F this, charge it to the game. I'm <laughs> not asking no more. <laughs> charge it to the game. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, Demetria, how can we how can we make this happen for our friend? Um, but yeah, but it's just so it's so funny how when you, you know, you were talking to kind of, you know, brought up, you know, for me and um, you know, being in the LGBT plus community and you know, what masculinity is. And, mm-hmm. you know you know, growing up, it's just, you know, especially, and I'm only talking about my respective community because that's a community that I grew up in. So black community. So this is my experience. Like you had to dress a certain way, walk a certain way, talk Mm. a certain way and sound a certain way to be seen in the black community as a man, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel that, you know, ultimately, you know, there's so many things that go into so many deeper things that go into what being a man is outside of the regardless of how I walk or how I talk or you know the whether my voice is deep or it's more on the softer side like all of those things don't define what a man is and I feel like that you know what helped me is me defining what does Mm -hmm. being a man look like to me and you know what I to me I feel like you know just like any any person you know you want to make sure that you are you know providing for those that you love that you mm-hmm. are supporting those that you love and that you are plugged in with those that you love um i just don't feel like how i dress or how i talk or how i walk should define my level of manhood or be directly connected to how people see me as a man. Um, mm-hmm. But the sad reality of it is that, you know, it we charge it to the game because, you know, unfortunately, you know, we can, it's all about how we look at ourselves and how we define things in our life. But at the same time, you still are going against the grain. So when you go against the grain, that opens the door for other things like discrimination or prejudice, things like Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, all of that stuff then in turn, you know, impacts your mental health. It impacts your self-esteem, your self-confidence and, you know, how you view yourself. So, you know, 
just allow people to be who they are. Allow people to be authentically themselves and just accept them for that. Stop trying to define people. Stop trying to, you know, throw them into categories all the time because, you know, people change over time. We're constantly evolving. So the same person I was five years ago is definitely not the same person that I am today. So, you know, if, if you know, to me, I feel like so much of life is on the spectrum. You know, it yeah. changes from time to time and it changes over time. So if, you know, life is on a spectrum, then why can't we as human beings be on the spectrum right. and just be considered as evolving beings, not as we're part trying of this to, life too. exactly, you know, and mm-hmm. not try to be what someone else is telling you you should be, you know, hashtag living your truth, boo. <laughs> Facts. Yes. Living your truth. Because, you know, last thing I'll say here is, is that, all of those things that you were saying can pile up and transform itself into this hypermasculinity and hyperdependence, right? Mm-hmm. The not mm-hmm. having the confidence, not having all of those things. And I also think one way I've actually seen hypermasculinity translate into my life has been this idea of how a man should look, dress, talk, act, whatever. And mm-hmm. that seeps into what that means for a woman, right? That means Mm. woman is supposed to be all the opposite of those things that man is supposed to be, which Mm. puts women on a, in a space of having to be ultra feminine and never giving any room to kind of a balance in between masculinity and femininity, because they're energies that we all have. It's not only for one type of person. Right. And it's about the way we present ultimately. Mm. Um, And so I've seen it seep in that way. Um, Just the ideas around, well, if man is supposed to be this, then this has to be what woman is supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. it's very, um, I think it's very aggravating (laughs) and very, Mm -hmm. um, I think it takes, it takes out a lot of who people are allowed to be and doesn't really allow them to be their true self, like we were talking about. Last thing with hyper-independence is that um, I want to say that it can be very isolative. So when you are doing everything by yourself, you are isolating yourself. Mm-hmm. Recognize Good that. Point. And I think that could be a great warning sign for if you're falling into a hyper-independent space because now your relationships are faltering or you're finding yourself with not having many relationships. Um, mm-hmm. My biggest fear of why I hadn't asked for help um, a lot of the time is because I don't want people to feel like I'm taking advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And... Because the idea is, it's like, okay, yes, this is a give and take relationship, right? But I think for a long time, I just wanted relationships where somebody else came with that same kind of effort that I came in with. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that is, it's, I think, very unfair to have expectations of someone at the beginning of a relationship or midway, you know, getting to know someone Mm -hmm. and expecting them to always put that same effort when one, maybe that's not their background. And two, maybe they just didn't know what you needed. Right. Like you have to communicate that. Um, And I mean that in relationships across the board, not just romantic, like friendships, family, all of that stuff. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But mind you, fam, the whole time over here, right. They ain't asking nobody for anything. And then the one time she do, she think that she uh, using somebody. Child, you ain't even asking. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even ask enough for me to even consider that you're using me. But I guess it's just the moment what you mean. Yeah, it's just like the moment of, let's say we get in an argument or something. Now what? Are you going to throw it back in my face that you helped me? Like, I think those are the fears that I've run into because 
I think even during childhood, there have been times where I've asked people for help and then later it comes mm-hmm. up and it's like, well, I did this for you. And it's like, okay. Yeah, like, okay. So mm. never mind. I won't <laughs> right. ask you to do anything again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. There's that. So, all right, fam, we're moving on to the Q&A portion of our podcast, Therapist Hats Off. Rade, do you have the first question? Yes, I do. So first question from a listener is, my boyfriend has a hard time talking about his emotions or expressing them, and it's causing issues in our relationship. How can I help my boyfriend talk about his emotions more? Mm. Wow. Mm. I mean, (laughs) the question sounds simple, but I feel like it's so many so many layers to it um mm-hmm. because you know so ultimately good. you know what is the the foundation how does he feel about it like what are his views and his perceptions on men sharing their emotions i feel like that's a great place to start a good conversation started to kind of understand his thought process and and what he believes he should express and not express or what you know um quote unquote is allowed for men to do. Um, but I think it's all about communication, like creating a, a safe space to, you know, to let him know that, you know, he could talk to you about anything regardless of what it is. And I think also, in addition to creating that, that, that safe environment is that verbal affirmation that it's okay to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. That's why we talk about these things and just express the importance of emotional expression. Um, and the only other thing I would add is lead by example. So granted, you know, there's these all these stereotypes about, you know, women are more emotional than men, which is not true. Um, nope. There's a lot of e- very emotional men, but all you see is anger because they don't know how to effectively express it. Um, but, you know, ultimately... You know, you just want to provide that safe environment and just model the behavior that you want, you know, create spaces where you guys are talking about more deep things or, you know, you're actually sharing your emotions with him and asking him how he feels. Um, That is a very good way to open the door, Um, you know, the power of how are you feeling versus how are you doing? What about you, Ryan? What do you think? Um, Okay. I... Well, first of all, I second everything that you're saying. I just feel like this is going to take baby steps and it takes mm-hmm. time. This is yep. a lot of unlearning, learning, relearning. Um, and there has to be grace to that. I want to say that to the partner that's writing in here. Um, also, just acknowledging the fact that up until this point, he hasn't been expressing his emotions effectively not only to you, but to anyone, right? So you may have been in his life for a good amount of time at this point, but I mean, this doesn't really change up the experiences that he's had. For instance, let's say, let's say you've been in his life for six years. I don't know. That, uh, let's rewind to, to childhood. You know, He's been in his parents' life or grandparents or siblings' lives for probably years up at this point, probably 20-something years at least, 30-something years at, at this point. And he's still not expressing his emotions to them. So all of this, I'm sure, is feeling new for him and scary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think they're, like Dimitri was saying, it's important that you create a safe space. Um, a recommendation that I would like to give you that I've utilized in my relationship for myself, for my partner that I've given to couples as a homework is 
when an argument or conflict starts to happen, allow your partner space to text you how they feel or write it down. The reason being is because, and, and you too, the reason being is because it gives them a space to look at what you had to say, process mm-hmm. it, and respond in their time. Mm-hmm. And rather than putting them on the spot where we're expecting them to express emotions that they don't really have or grasp. And last thing I'll say is probably implementing a feelings wheel in your home. I know it sounds cheesy, but it can be very <laughs> useful. Yes. And because Dimitri was saying, you know, the anger he is not being affected or effectively communicated as the underlying emotion. This is not to say that anger is not a real emotion and we can't feel it. That's that's not what he's saying here. But we still have to recognize that there are multiple emotions that we can feel at once. There are duality mm-hmm. in emotions. And I can be angry while also feeling betrayed and belittled and um, disappointed. Right. Right. And understanding that all of the rest of those feelings are fueling the outburst of anger mm-hmm. even more because I mm-hmm. can't express those, but I can show you I'm upset. Right. Exactly. Which is Brian. right. Which is where it turns into intentional anger. Which is, if I'm showing you I'm upset enough, then clearly something will change because you see Mm -hmm. that I'm mad by what you're doing Mm -hmm. rather than hurt or feeling betrayed and all of those things. So, yeah, create a safe space and try those two things. Maybe they can be helpful. You can find a a great feelings wheel on feelingswheel.com. Awesome. Okay. Yes, friend. Great recommendations. That is like, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. Um, It's it's not going to be easy. And like Rade said, it's going to be baby steps and it's going to require patience and grace. Um, but you can get to that place where you guys are openly, you know, expressing your emotions. And um, but like Rade said, it's going to be a lot of learning and unlearning. And that process is not always comfortable, um, but you'll be better mm-hmm. for it on the on the other side. Yes. Okay. So our next question is, I've been taking care of myself for as long as I remember, and I don't feel that I need anyone to do anything for me that I can do for myself, but I am in a serious relationship now and we keep getting into arguments about it. What can I do to fix this? So I feel like this is a mirror being held up to my face (laughs) and I don't like it. Um... And not oh, no, yeah. you know, you got like to just... spill the tea now. Yeah, <laughs> but not <laughs> in the case of just, you know, I've been taking care of myself for as long as I remember. Like, no, my parents were there and they took care of me now. Mm-hmm. But also, I had a lot of independence to figure shit out for myself. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, though. So yeah. ultimately, this, what you can do to fix this. Okay, what I'm, what I'm saying you're holding up a mirror is because... And my whole ass relationship, because of this hyper independence that I've had, um, I haven't allowed room for my partner to actually be present to help me with things or for me to, but I was always present for me to help him with things, right? Oh, sure. What do you need? Right. But then if I'm doing something, I'm just go, go, go. Or if I ask him to do something, um, if he doesn't do it in the time that I asked him or I asked him too late. Pretty much like, <laughs> what's well, kind of happening now. I've gotten better, but, you know, ask him pretty much in the moment that I want him to do something like right at that time, mm-hmm. then, and if he doesn't, then I was like, oh, fine, I'll just do it myself. I end up doing it myself and then I'm pissed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I can really say for listener, what can you do to fix this is 
to give your person space to actually follow through with what they say they can do for you. Mm-hmm. I know it seems scary, but this is about you understanding that you cannot control anybody else's behaviors. You can only control yours. And so mm-hmm. be intentional about controlling, not overstepping, mm-hmm. right? And allowing balance to exist in the relationship. If it's going to be a partnership, let them be your partner and show up for you, help you out. Exactly. Right? In whatever mm-hmm. way they can. And so, and realize that they are, that you're not being advantageous you know, in a, in an unhealthy way. Relationships are advantageous. Okay. Let's, let's mm-hmm. be clear about them, but mm-hmm. it can be done in a very healthy ma- way. Exactly. That's the mm-hmm. point. <laughs> and so <laughs> create a balance to this and create some space for your partner to actually be able to show up for you mm-hmm. in a way that you're asking them to. So mm-hmm. on your end, think about what are some things that you're okay with loosening the reins on mm-hmm. and presenting those to your partner as things that you would be open to doing first and explaining to them that this is also where it's coming from, this hyper-independence. Just because they're now here and want to be, you know, superhero to to you, whatever, doesn't mean that you're ready to let your guard down yet. Mm-hmm. So explain to them that this is a process where it's coming from and that these are the things that I'm willing to kind of let go of first, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, you know, I'm sure more doors and opportunities will open where that'll happen. So, yeah. What do you okay. think? Hashtag retweet. I mean, <laughs> I really don't have anything to add to that. Um, you hit on the the points that I were going I was gonna make. Um, but you know, ultimately it's it's all about releasing some of that control. Yeah. And you know, it's not always easy to you know, release control um, when you're so used to doing everything by yourself. So just mm-hmm. take that into consideration and, you know, start small. Start with some things that, you know, won't make or break you um, for a lack of better terms as far as your um, your partner is concerned. Um, but you have to realize if you're merging your lives together and like, you know, right, they said relationships are, you know, advantageous, then you want to be able to allow your partner to show their love for you or show their support for you or their care and concern for you. Exactly. All right, y'all. Y'all, Earth lesson for this week is it is important that we build a healthy relationship with ourselves and others. So be intentional about your flow between masculinity, femininity, and independence. It's all about balance. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. Remember to follow us on IG at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Peace. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. therapist.